Hey, good morning. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, glad you're here. Happy New Year to those of you who are hanging out with us online. If you have your Bibles on, you turn with me to Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. We're going to look at this classic Old Testament story, uh, the story of Gideon. And uh, we are going to, we're going to read the whole chapter because it's a, it's a brand new year. You need to get the word in you. So let's, uh, let's go for it. Judges chapter 7, somebody say amen when you got it. And this is what the text says. It says, then Jerubbabal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I'll test them for you there. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. That same night, the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Purah, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Purah, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. And their camels were without number as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. When I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they just set the watch and they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow and they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord said, Every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. 
And the army fled as far as Beth Shittah towards Zerera, as far as the border of Abel Maholah by Tabith. And the men of Israel were called out from Naphtali and from Asher and from Almanasseh, and they pursued after Midian. Gideon sent messengers throughout all the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and capture the waters against them as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they captured the waters as far as Beth Barah and also the Jordan, and they captured the two princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. Then they pursued Midian, and they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. Pray with me if you would. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I know my words are empty without your anointing. There is no power in this place aside from your spirit. And so I'm praying that you would speak. Give me the words to say. Let me say what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. And give people ears to hear what you want to say to your bride and, and eyes to see. We love you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen. Church, allow me, if you would, to give you a little background on our friend Gideon. So at this time in Israel's history, because the people of Israel had been disobedient, God allowed them to be taken captive by the Midianites. Uh, he turned them over to the hands of the Midianites for seven years. And so during this seven years, the Israelites were holed up in dens and caves and in these strongholds they built because if they tried to live out in society, the Midianites would destroy them. I mean, if they tried to plant crops, the Midianites would come in and destroy their crops. If they tried to uh, build houses or establish cities, the Midianites would come in and demolish their houses and demolish their cities. Now, at the time God called Gideon, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, I think the author of the book of Judges would want us to see the dichotomy that's happening here between what Israel would have been like in a time of abundance and what it was like in a time of lack. Because in a good season, a wine press would have been being used to make wine for holidays and for celebrations. Um, but because this was a difficult season and because they had been taken captive by the Midianites, now this former wine press was being used as a small farming outpost. Like the reason that Gideon is in that place and he's threshing wheat there is because he's trying to hide what he's doing from the Midianites because he's fearful that if they know what he's doing, they'll come in and they will steal the wheat. And while he was threshing the wheat, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said these words. The angel said, Gideon, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. First thing, the angel spoke, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, it probably needs to be said here that Gideon didn't have a reputation as a warrior Actually, when he finds out later in the story that God wants him to lead the Israelites to go fight uh, the Midianites, Gideon is, he, he very humbly is like, why me? He's like, out of, the he's like my, out of the 12 tribes of Israel, my tribe is the weakest, and even in my own family, I'm the youngest. It, it doesn't make sense that you would choose me. The first thing I want you to notice here, church, is that God's recommendation was more important than Gideon's reputation. God's recommendation was more important than Gideon's reputation. 
If God says you can do something, you can do it, even if you've never done it before. If God says you are somebody, you are that person, even if you've never been it before. When the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and says to him, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor, it doesn't matter who Gideon used to be or where Gideon came from because now God has told him who he is and he's told him what he is capable of. Church, what God says about you is the truest thing about you. And for some of you, I think it's probably time for you to leave some of your past in the past. Because if God has put his recommendation on your life, if he's spoken his recommendation over you, who cares what your reputation was? He said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, one of my favorite things that happens in Gideon's call narrative takes place in Judges chapter 6, verse 34. And it's not the whole verse that spoke to me when I was reading it. It's just those first few words, and this is how the text reads. It says, but the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. The Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon. Now let me show you something here that I think is pretty cool, okay? In the Old Testament, most of the time when uh, in the Old Testament it speaks about the Spirit of the Lord, the Hebrew word that the Bible uses is the word ruach. And ruach, we've talked about that word here many times. Ruach can be translated in English to the word wind or spirit. But when we're talking about ruach, we're talking about this kind of force that will come upon people at some times. So it's like you can think about David or Samson. It's like a person's about to go into battle and they need some kind of supernatural energy to come upon them to win that victory. That's the ruach that would come upon them and lead them to victory. We also see it sometimes in the prophets when they're preaching a really hard message that God's given them to deliver. The ruach would come upon them and they would preach that message. The ruach comes allowing a person to complete the task they're supposed to complete and then like the wind it will blow on and move on amongst other people. Well in this text church the word used to describe Gideon's relationship with the spirit is not the word ruach but it is the word lavash. L-A-V-A-S-H and lavash means to clothe. The image that the author of Judges wants us to conjure up in our minds is the image of the Spirit of God putting on Gideon like an article of clothing. The original Hebrew, I think it's very interesting, the original Hebrew doesn't say that Gideon clothed himself with the Spirit. It says the Spirit clothed himself with Gideon. Gideon didn't put the Spirit on, the Spirit put on Gideon. The Spirit wore Gideon like he was a member's only jacket, and Gideon was the last member. Meaning, the Spirit of God embodied Gideon. Like he, he took over his, his mind, he took over his hands, he took over his body, and he used Gideon to lead the Israelites to victory against the Midianites. Ruach, that word, talks about when the Spirit works from the outside in. Lavash is about the Spirit working from the inside out. Now, if you don't already have a New Year's resolution, I think that would be a pretty good one. Now, actually, if you do have a New Year's resolution, I think this would be a better one than what your New Year's resolution probably is. Why not this year 
Ask the Spirit to put you on. Ask the Spirit to put you on. Instead of so much asking the the Spirit to come upon you, ask God to awaken the Holy Spirit that is already alive inside of you. Because if we're doing it right, we don't so much put the Spirit on us as the Spirit puts us on it. Meaning, we allow the Spirit to, we're, we're just empty vessels. And we just hand ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and we say, God, here's my mouth, say what you want. Here's my hands, do what you want. Here's my whole life, take it and live it out for your glory. Because I think this is a significant difference in the way most of our perspectives work with the Holy Spirit. Because most of us have a tendency to think, okay, we are primary, and sometimes the Spirit comes in our lives and sometimes works in us. When in reality, what the Scriptures tells us is that if you're a believer, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. What that means is the Spirit is primary, our bodies are secondary. It's meant to do what the Spirit tells us to do. Spirit isn't meant to be a force that sometimes enters your life and then goes someplace else. It is meant to be the driving force of our whole lives. Do you understand what I'm saying, church? Man, I think, I think that's an, a significant shift. The really cool thing for me about this is that I actually believe that Gideon, the, the way that we experience the Holy Spirit post-cross, you know, after you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and then becomes your leader and, and, and your God. I think that we've seen the story of Gideon getting a small taste of the Spirit working like that. It's the difference between Lavash and Ruach. I think a lot of us ask God to give us more of His Spirit when the whole time God has been asking us to give His Spirit more of our bodies. God called Gideon to lead the Israelites against the Midianites. At the time, remember Israel's like living in caves and dens and hiding out. They're able to put together an army of about 32,000 men. The Midianites had an army of 120,000. This is the difference between a full Vanderbilt Stadium and a full Neyland Stadium. Like if you just want perspective, like it really is pretty close numbers, numbers wise. The Midianites outnumbered the Israelites pretty close to four to one. And yet God still looked at the Israelite army and he goes, there's too many people, like way too many people here. And so he told Gideon, he said, this is what I want you to do. And I really think it's probably the first time in history that a military leader ever did this. But he said, I want you to stand before your men and I want you to tell them that if any of them are afraid, if any of them are, are trembling, then just go home. Like nothing's lost. Just tell them that if they're scared, they can go home. And so that's what Gideon did. He's being obedient. He's got the Holy, Holy Spirit's put him on. And so he goes to his men and he says, hey, if any of you guys are scared, if you're afraid, God said you could go home. Church, 22,000 people left. The number immediately dwindled down from 32,000 to 10,000 people. And God still looked at the 10,000 against the 120,000 and he goes, there's still too much. Still way too many people. And so he tells Gideon, he says, what I want you to do. He's like, I want you to go down to the river, and I want all of you to take your whole, the whole crew down there, and I want everybody to get a drink of water. And he's like, and then once you get down there, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to divide them up. And so that's what he does. They go down there, and they take a drink. And when they're drinking the water, some, as, as we would do, some of the folks get down on their knees, and they're drinking from the river, you know, like a dog drinking out of a, a dog bowl. And some of them reach down, and uh, cup water 
in their hands and bring it up, and, they, and they're drinking it like that. And so uh, Gideon is standing there, and he tells God, tells I want you to divide the people based on how they drank the water. Those who got on their knees, who lapped it up like a dog, put them to one side, and the ones who, who, who cupped it and brought it to their mouths, put them on the other side. So Gideon does that. So he stands there. On one side, there are 9,700 people. On the other side, there are 300 people. Only 300 people cupped the water and brought it to their hands. He said, I want you to go ahead and send the 9,700 who got on there. Go ahead and send them home, and we'll work with the 300 people. And so that's what Gideon did. He told these, God, these, the Spirit has put him on. He sends the 9,700 people. He's got an army of 300 people about to face 120,000 men. Apparently, in God's eyes, that's good math. I don't know. Now, I want to say something here before we continue on with the story. And this is a lesson that I think I learned in 2020 um, throughout the, the pandemic, okay? Sometimes God will shrink your circle to prepare you for a spiritual surge. Sometimes God will shrink your circle to prepare you for a spiritual surge. Now, I don't know how many of you all's, you know, last year was like mine, but one of the things that happened in my life last year is there were some people who I thought would be in my life when things kind of got rough who weren't in my life, and then there were some people who I didn't think would be who showed up. Like a lot of my friends' relationships, a lot of people that I considered to be uh, acquaintances, they just kind of dropped to the wayside. And I could feel our uh, circle kind of shrinking and, and tightening it up a little bit. And what I want to say to you this morning, church, is that there's nothing wrong with God shrinking your circle. Like sometimes he, he does that, but anytime he shrinks your circle, the reason he does it is because he's preparing you for a spiritual surge. So if, uh, the, the, if 2020, if what it looked like for you is, and I've heard a lot of people talk about it this way, is, is they go, well, I found out in 2020 who my people are. Well, man, if that happened for you, great. But now that you know who your people are, it's time to get together with them and pray and be about the Lord's business. God doesn't shrink our circles just so we'll have less people to care about. If he shrinks our circles on purpose, if it's a divine call to shrink and to grow small, he is doing it because he's going to use that as a method to expand his kingdom. I mean, even when I look around the room today, First service, second service, it doesn't matter. Right now, today, based on where we were a year ago, there's about half the crowd in the room that was here last year for the first service of the year. Now, I know we got people watching online, and I thank God for that method. And I know for a lot of people that is a, is a necessary way. But as a pastor, you know, I could look at our situation, and it could, it could, it could really stress me out. Like, it, it, could, it, could, it could break my heart, you know, thinking about, just in a year's time, all the people that we've lost. Or I can trust that God's pruning is always a sign of God's preparation. God's pruning is always a sign of God's preparation. When the circle shrinks, we go deeper into the heart of God, even if it is a smaller crowd. We listen to his voice, and then we get back to work. That is the way the process works. According to God's mathematics, sometimes less numbers mean greater victories. God took an army from 32,000, 
brought them down to 300, that's because he was preparing them for something special. Church, I'm praying that's what's happening across the globe when it comes to the church. It's been a time of purging. If there were people who were kind of iffy about whether or not, and I'm just talking about Whitestone, if, if, if there were people last year who were iffy about whether or not they were going to go to church, most of those people aren't going to church anymore. It has been a time of purging for the American church. And I feel like coming into this new year, it's a time, even if our circle has shrank, that's okay. Let's listen to the heart of God and let's get to work. Let's get to work. Now, after the Israelite army shrank down to 300 people, Gideon became a little anxious, okay? He's looking at his crew, his 300. He sees down into the valley, 120,000. And God, because God is incredibly gracious and kind, he goes to Gideon and he says, okay, if, if you're afraid, then I want you to take your servant, Purah, and I want you to go into the Midianite camp, and I just want you to be quiet, and I want you to listen. And so Gideon's like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So he gathers his servant, Purah. They go into the Midianite camp. They sneak in, and they are very quiet, and they're just listening. And as they're listening, they overhear two different people talking. And uh, one person is describing a dream that he had. And he says, I had a dream, and in my dream there was a, a, a big uh, loaf of barley bread. And it came tumbling into the Midianite camp, and it hit our largest tent, and it flipped the tent over, end over end. Flipped it inside out. And the other friend who was standing there with the man who was telling of his dream interpreted the dream, and he goes, uh, I know exactly what that, that dream means. He says, that means that we're going to be turned over into the hands of Gideon, the son of Joash. He said, that dream means that Gideon is about to come in and he's about to defeat the Midianites. Now, Gideon, the whole time, hearing the dream, hearing the interpretation. Now, there are a couple of things I want to say about that church, and here is the first one. What was Gideon doing when the Lord first called to him? He was threshing wheat. What is wheat used for? What do you use wheat for? To bake bread. What was it that just so happened in the dream to be coming into the camp to send the tent flying end over end? It was a huge loaf of bread. What we're seeing in this story is the bread maker was becoming the mighty man of valor. God wasn't just giving this prophecy to Gideon so that he would know that the victory was about to be his, but he was calling him back to the moment that he called him. He was reminding him of what the angel said to him. He said, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. That bread maker became an incredible warrior. What God says about you, it is the truest thing about you. Even if it's not, you don't feel it, even if you don't experience it, it just is what it is. God is so intentional in the way that he works. So 20 years ago, on New Year's Eve night, my now wife and I were just good friends. And um, Bethany was about to go out with another group of her friends um, to celebrate New Year's Eve, but uh, the Spirit told her that she was supposed to stay home and spend some time in a word and prayer. And so that's what she did. New Year's Eve, she of, of 2000 going into 2001, she stayed home. She watched the movie Little Women. She prayed, and she dug into the word. Well, that night, she uh, falls asleep, and she has a dream. 
And in the dream, she is at uh, Easttown Mall, a little throwback for you right there, or she's at Knoxville Center, as some of you weirdos know it, and uh, she's walking around, uh, and she's married another guy, and uh, they're walking around the mall together, and uh, I am at the mall too, and I come up to where they are, and I look down, and I see the ring on her hand, and I say to her, I look at the eyes, and I go, what are you doing? I said, you know that you were supposed to marry me. That morning, uh, she woke up, and the first thing that she said was, I'm supposed to marry Brock Tharp. A week later, we were dating. A year and a half later, we were married. Now, the point of that story, church, is uh, I'm the man of my wife's dreams. <laughs> That's not actually the point. The point is, we have the dream maker on our side. Like the, the one who, when we rest at night, implants dreams into our head, he is, he is for us. And God can be so creative in the way he chooses to get his will done. God used a, a dream to prepare Gideon for war, used a dream to prepare Bethany for me. Never underestimate God's plans or God's methods. So Gideon divided his army again. He's got 300 men about to go to war, and apparently even that is too, too many to all be in one place, you know. And so he divided those 300 into three different garrisons. And he gave all of them in one hand, he gave them a trumpet, and in the other hand, he gave them a jar, and the jar had a torch inside. Because apparently those are great weapons of war, right? If you're going up against 120,000 people with swords and shields, what do you need? A trumpet and a jar with a little flame in it, right? That's what you need. And so that's what they have in their, in, in their hands. And so he tells all of them at the outset, he says, this is what you're going to do. We're going to divide into three groups of 100. I want you to go, we want to go to all sides of the Midianite camp. And he's like, as soon as you hear me blow the trumpet, I want all of you to blow your trumpets. Then we're going to shatter our jars, and then I want you to shout for the Lord and for Gideon. So, sure enough, that's the way it plays out. They divide up 100 in one place, 100 in another place, Gideon and his 99 in another place. Gideon blows his trumpet. Everybody blows their trumpets. They smash their jars, and when they do, the whole Midianite camp thought they were surrounded. And so they all began to turn on each other, and some ran away, and they ultimately collapsed in on themselves. And on that day, the Lord gave Israel an incredible victory. Church, if God can take 300 men and use them to defeat 120,000 men, there is no problem in your life too big for him. One of my favorite things when... Jacob preached the last time he was here. Uh, he told a story, and he talked about uh, a good friend of his that he'd walked some life with, and the friend uh, lost a, a daughter. And he said that this friend, even in the midst of the loss of this kid, was still publicly declaring the goodness of God. And Jacob said, he's looking at a room, and, he, and he's going, hey, if, if, if that person's able to go through what they've been through and declares God's goodness, 
then how dare you to walk through what you've been through and not be able to declare his goodness? In some ways, church, I feel the same way about this text. It's like if God can take 300 and men and defeat 120,000, then how dare you not trust him with your problems? How dare you not trust him with you, your issue? You just have to know God's recommendation is more important than your reputation. You need to allow the Spirit to put you on. And you have to know that you have the dream maker on your side. Pray with me. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I'm grateful for your word. I'm praying that you would continue to speak today in our worship. God, I pray for every person in here that the Holy Spirit would put us on. Our numbers may be shrinking, but what you can do with a few people fully devoted to you is incredible things. And we long for it. We look forward to it. Let's go. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.